0: And welcome to this edition of TBU Bat Books for Beginners, episode 158. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. Welcome
1: to our show. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art,
0: and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book is a collection of stories commonly commonly referred to as War Drums. Now there are several writers including Anderson Gabrick and Bill Willingham. This covers the issues of Detective Comics 790 to 796 and Robin 126 to 128. Now Chris, tell us a little bit about these books.
1: Thank you very much, Joey. You've got your work cut out for you in a few (laughs) minutes with the story recap, so I'll do the best I can to stretch this out a bit so you can rest your vocal cords. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Hello, listeners, and thank you for downloading. Batman War Drums is a 256-page trade paperback that was cover dated September 2004. And according to the My Comic Shop website, it's had at least one subsequent reprinting. Its cover price is $17.95, but I found it an online retailer who had the print copy of this book for under ten dollars, not including shipping, at the time of this recording. This might be a circumstance if you wanted to own the stories from the book. It might be cheaper to buy the print hard copy individual back issues, hmm. except for one detail. Batman War Drums includes a reprint of the story from Batman, uh, excuse me, from Robin one, number one hundred and twenty-six, which was a very key issue of the series run, as this is where Stephanie Brown becomes Robin, costume and all. Yeah. Now, I'll wager if you went to a back-issue section of a comic shop and were looking for this particular issue with the rest of the back-issues of Robin, you probably wouldn't find it. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that this issue is insanely exorbitant or untainable, let's say on eBay, where some vendors had copies under $10, Mm -hmm. and one vendor was selling a slabbed CGC 9.8 graded copy for $70. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can't recall seeing a back-issue with a pretty wide price variance uh, in recent memory. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So, if you wanted to know this, key issue slash story in reprinted form, here it is. But you should know this. The book, Batman War Drums, is a hodgepodge collection of stories that occurred just before the massive war game story arc in the Batman titles at this time. And while I argue it depicts a key moment for Stephanie Brown, the majority content is devoted to Two and four Batman stories. It sort of has a cobbled together anthology feel to it as it collects no less than four stories. Perhaps some genius of the DC production department thought, hmm, we have all this loose material and it happens right before the war game story, so what should we call it? I got an idea. Let's call it Hmm. War Drums. Ah, Good idea. (laughs) Good idea. Now, as Jerry said, the book reprints stories from Detective Comics numbers 790 to 796, and Robin numbers 126 to 128. Uh, Both of the content Uh, if you're guessing at home, yes, we are still covering comics that were released in 2004. Detective Comics number 790 was cover dated March 2004, and Robin number 126 was cover dated July 2004. Ah, yes, I remembered it as if it was only yesterday. (laughs) And as previously stated, around the same time, the Catwoman Win in Rome story was coming out uh, with uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, as was the Mark and Drinko, uh female Manhunter series, which was one of my favorites. Okay, so now we're dealing with two titles, so we have two creative teams here. So let's break down with information that I found online and with some of my personal recollections. I should mention both respective titles have some very stunning cover artwork. Uh, Tim Sale, no stranger to Batman, did the cover for did the covers for these particular issues of Detective Comics, and Sale. Is as uh, some bad aficionados will know, he did the art on the Jeff Lowe Britton stories Dark Halloween and Dark Victory. Damian Scott did the covers on Robin as well as the interior art for those stories. Somewhat more recently, he's done work on Marvel's Ghost Rider. Yeah, and as Jerry said, Anderson Grabridge uh, wrote the stories on Detective. Along with being a writer, interesting tidbit that I found out on Wikipedia, he's also an actor and has oh. appeared in several off Broadway productions. Now, to me, around this time, he seemed pretty prolific with, with the material he was producing. And, you know, I thought he did an overall pretty decent job with what he did on Batman. Yeah. But I couldn't find hardly any comics credits writing titles past the year 2010. And uh, one other uh, Wikipedia note, he currently lives in Los Angeles, and he performs regularly at the Comedy Central Stages Sit-and-Spin Reading Series. So there you go. I oh, like I the guy. Who? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see now we over uh, with some more we had Pete Woods who did the artwork on the detective stories he did the artwork on the 2007 Amazon's Attack miniseries not to be confused with the current similar name series he's also done some Superman artwork on action comics he's done some Marvel credits most recently he's done uh, artwork on Archie and the Archie comics title with the, the revamp that they've got going on over in Archie
0: They're very successful
1: Yes, very successful, and I've read some of those. Those are really good. I, I think you read The Jughead, uh, The Hunger, which is excellent, excellent book, yeah. And uh, let's see, Bill Willingham did the writing on Robin. Uh, I mentioned him in a previous podcast. He's most notable for the title Fables, and he's working on Dynamite Comics' greatest adventure title. Uh, online reviews for Batman Road Drums I found were not overwhelmingly positive nor overwhelmingly negative. Mm-hmm. Presently, it sits uh, with seven online reviews at Amazon, with an average of three out of five stars. Okay, Jerry, I'm sorry I did the best I could. Well done, <laughs> That's all the Thank you I so much. Uh, I'll, I'll let the <laughs> listeners get comfortable, get cozy, and settle in yeah. as
0: you give us the recap of Batman War Drums. Okay, so as you mentioned, this is a hodgepodge of stories. There are, uh, by my count, about six different stories involved here. So we'll go over each one, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, and then we'll uh, talk some more at the end. So uh, get comfortable, everybody. The first story is called Scarification, and that's in Detective Comics 790. So there's a designer drug that's floating around Gotham called G.H.D., and it's killing people. Sixteen nightclub-going Gothamites have died in three weeks. Batman is in full detective mode trying to figure out who's pushing the drug. He convinces a pusher to tell him where he gets the drug from, and he finds out and visits the lab that is sourcing this, and he arrests the chemist who is on the phone telling someone that the lab is under attack. The chemist goes to jail. Now, Cassandra Kane is Batgirl and has been helping Batman follow the trail. She points out that Batman is being more brutal than usual, really kind of beating up some of the people that he's, uh, he's questioning. Bruce takes Cassandra to visit Jason Todd's grave on what would have been his 18th birthday. Bruce says that he's worried because Stephanie Brown, also known as spoiler could end up like Jason. If she continues superheroing and that's the story of scarification.
1: Jerry, this was one of uh, the, one of the better stories I thought in the whole volume. If, 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 if if not for the Stephanie Brown material, I would say this would have been my favorite. I thought there was a lot of poignant moments in here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not, you know, while I usually prefer Batman opposing a villain from his rogues gallery in a story, I do like that he attacks sort of the uh, underbelly and addresses uh, the drug problem. The drug use is, is sort of seen, uh, it came off to me as plausible with uh, with casual uh talk of it in a nightclub and, and the subsequent overdose. Uh, it, it's not pretty yet. Uh, I, I didn't think it came off in a heavy-handed way. Right. I thought this was a very, very uh, touching story, and it I was a good combination
0: of uh, writing and artwork, in my opinion. Yeah, I liked it, too. I thought it was a tight story, well told. It raises the kind of themes, the war drums, war games theme of crime. It has Cass's Batgirl, which I really like, it uh, talks about Stephanie. She plays a part in this, uh, in, in Batman's kind of thinking. And it also brings up Jason Todd, who while he isn't really, he doesn't become a, a part of this story or War Games, he is, his death is still haunting Bruce. And I thought that this is a, a really good way of bringing that to life.
1: Yeah, one of the elements in this particular story, too, was um, we did get an acknowledgment of the time passage here. Uh, there were like little closed captions that given us the uh, precise to the minute uh, hour on the AM, and uh, we see how much time has elapsed. And I thought when, when authors do that in a story, I, I really enjoy that motif that they use, giving us how long it takes to get to the bottom of things, mm-hmm. and as if it is some sort of, as close as it possibly be in comics, a real-time feel to it. I, I really like the depictment of the, the time elapsement here.
0: Yep, I do, too. I agree. Uh,
1: one other part I liked was also uh, this was a no-nonsense Batman. Um, he really immediately wanted to get to the bottom of this issue, pro- uh, solve it, uh, cut the uh, source of the uh, drugs off at the source, and uh, just put it in the place of um, trying to uh Get justice for the victims here, and and further not have this be spread out any further to the the public who seem to be really really addicted to this drug and uh, taking it and overdosing. Uh, I, I really like to see how Batman was driven in this issue to really uh, fight this uh, crime.
0: Yeah, but as Cass says, he may be driven a little too hard. Mm-hmm. Being, you know, I think he's still carrying around the weight of Jason's death, and I think that's really coming strong in a lot of these stories that we're talking about today. Absolutely. Okay. So the next story is called The Surrogate, and this is Detective Comics uh, 791 through 793. So a pregnant teenager has been terribly wounded, and she stumbles into Dr. Leslie Tompkins' office. Leslie does her best to save the teen and the baby. She's able to buy them some time, but believes that she can ultimately only save either the mother or the child, and has only four or five hours to make the choice. She feels that she needs to track down the teen's loved ones to decide which one of them survives. She can't make this choice for the family. Now, out in the dirty streets of Gotham, the Hill Street Gang are getting organized, and they're taking more and more turf. There's an ex-football player, Biggie Tiny, and he's working with the gang, and there's big money rolling into their coffers. Biggie gets a delivery of a new kind of gun for the gang. Now, Batman is looking into how this little gang is expanding. Where are they getting their money from? What's going on? Why are they able to suddenly get organized? He fights Biggie and some of his men to find out what the weapon, this new weapon, this new gun that they've got is. The men get away, but leave the strange weapons behind. Now, Oracle calls Bats and tells him that Leslie called and wants to see him right away. This is unusual for her to be calling Batman. So Batman goes to see Dr. Tompkins, and uh, she, she helped him through the death of his parents. She's very close to him there. The, they have a very tight relationship. And she doesn't approve of his methods, but she understands him as well as anyone does. So Leslie tells Bruce about the injured teen and wants him to find her parents. Leslie says that the teen was shot, but there isn't a bullet. Now, they get a lead on some foster homes that uh, Naisha, the, the teenager, was in. Batman goes to the foster home, and a little girl there has a picture that Naisha gave her before she left. It's a picture of her and her sister. The sister is famous pop star Lachea. Now, famous pop star LaShea is facing a scandal where the tabloids are saying that she is faking her own pregnancy. She tells her smartly dressed tough guy husband, Capo, to get some lawyers to shut the scandal down. Capo says that Lacheya's pregnant sister, Naisha, was going to go to the tabloids and tell them that Lacheya was in fact planning on telling people that Naisha's baby was Lachey's. So Capo had to do something to stop Naisha, and it apparently was not pretty. Now Batman visits Biggie again and tells him that he knows about these special guns. He got them from Mr. Freeze, and they shoot ice instead of bullets, and it was this gun that shot Naisha. Batman knows that someone in the Hills Gang organization wanted Naisha dead, so Batman goes back to Dr. Tompkins' office to tell her the news, but finds that someone has kidnapped Leslie and the team. Now, Leslie and Naisha have been abducted by Lacheya, and they're in a warehouse, Lachea is torturing Capo for almost losing her surrogate baby and, oh, by the way, uh, trying to kill his sis- her sister. But the baby is the, the, the important thing to Lachea. Batman finds the warehouse, but Biggie uh, attacks it with uh, a freeze gun. Uh, he's attacking Lachea's soldiers. Batman and Lachea fight off Biggie and his men. Leslie, Naisha, Batman, and Lachea get away before the warehouse collapses from the all the damage that's been done. So they're trapped in the basement of the building, and they give Lashea the option of who to save, Naisha or the baby, and uh, Lashea picks the baby to survive. Dr. Tompkins delivers the baby boy by C-section, and Lashea is able to escape the basement through a very narrow hole that only she can fit through with the baby. The the teen, Naisha, dies, and Lacheya pulls off her baby-making scam for the papers. Now, Batman visits Mr. Freeze, and he explains that he knows that Capo was using his business to fund the Hills, Hills gangs. And that Biggie was sent by Freeze to kill Capo and his men. Now, Batman wants to know who ordered the hit, but they are attacked before they can get the name. So that is the surrogate wow
1: jerry you did a great great uh, recap there because i uh, there were times i found myself a little lost in the story um did you get that feeling as well you wouldn't know it having uh listened to your recap just now but uh was the scene muddled in any parts to you
0: it absolutely did this was very hard to kind of sift through and kind of untangle and there's a lot of ins and outs that i just decided to skip because they just got pretty pretty complicated
1: I, I would have known it if, uh, listening to what you just did because you did a great summation there. Nice. For me, I, I was taken aback and there was places where I just felt really detached. Uh, as I previously said, I don't mind uh, a Batman story that, that examines another element of uh, Gotham City and, and, and the criminal element it has. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind us sort of getting something a little woven in with some a uh, current pop culture, but uh, the Biggie tiny thing kind of just kind of reminded me of the uh, Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, mm-hmm. and I thought that was just a little too close of a play on words there, yeah. which kind of removed me and from the story a bit, uh, just almost too much. Um, I, I, it was hard to, for me to get any vested interest and in, in sympathize with the character characters in their plight, uh, despite the scenes we have of Leslie Tompkins doing all she can to uh, save, save the uh, unborn baby here in the live and, and no loss of life, but I, I just really couldn't get into it. I don't know how vested you felt as you were reading this. Uh,
0: the only part of this story that I really did like was their flashbacks to uh, Dr. Tompkins and young Bruce. I thought you know, some of them were really good.
1: Jerry, it's funny you just mentioned that because I have literally in my notes that the backstory to me was much more interesting than the uh, front story that we had on this.
0: I completely agree.
1: Yeah, because we had Leslie Tonkin's uh, – we, we saw just just the uh, origins of the nurturing of, okay. of young Bruce and the the, the bond that uh, uh, Leslie and Alfred and young Bruce okay. had. We saw Leslie uh, going to this third world country in a scene and she's trying to set up shop and uh, – and the, do, do great things for humanity here but uh, they're they're overrun by these uh local uh army militia what have you and uh young bruce coming to the defense and aid of these the people and leslie saying well this may not be for the best you know and i really wanted much more of that story i think that would have been a much more entertaining series to me where i felt some hope there that's not to say that life is a life is a life, but I just think how it was portrayed and how it was written, um, I I really enjoyed the backstory much more here. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I I think it was very satisfying, and you can see, again, how Bruce became Batman and why he feels the way he does about certain things. He doesn't, you know, he uh, agrees with... Having more violence than Leslie would, uh, accept. But you can see, you know, the origin of his no killing policy and how he's really doing this out of care, even though that his methods are, are brutal sometimes.
1: Um I'm not sure if I have any more comments to add. I thought there was just a couple of things. I thought, you know, it was really unusual to see Batman in this situation where he's there in this makeshift delivery situation and we get this whole uh explanation about uh methods of C section of all things, uh, yeah. you know, for what it is. And uh I thought that was good seeing, oh, is Batman gonna deliver the baby or what? Is that, <laughs> is, that is that is that a first in, in, in Batman comic books, Um one other comment I had though and I'll ask you this, I just didn't really like the way Mr. Freeze was depicted here. It, it just didn't seem like the, this was like the upper-tier villain we had. Uh, it, it seemed like he sort of got shoved around a bit, and this this his machinations here and, and plot and his role in the story just seemed so out of character than what I was accustomed to. Maybe I was spoiled with uh, the rich stories from Batman the Animated Series to seeing something like this, but I, I just really thought he was poorly depicted here
0: yeah i felt like they needed some big bad to be you know to be in the story and they picked somebody out of the hat and it turned out to be mr freeze so they said okay we'll have an ice gun and how you know it just didn't seem it just seemed kind of out of nowhere it could have been anybody
1: yeah if not for the fact you know we had this uh, little mighty tiny story element where there was like a a uh, bullet made of ice, so it right. left you couldn't find the bullet. And I, you know, I even think that was used in a Dick Tracy plot way back in the uh, late thirties or forties and surprised. stuff like that. You know, I, that, that just fascinated me. Maybe maybe that stuck with somebody else and they remember that key element too and wanted to use that again. But maybe yeah, uh, I don't know. But oh. I, I, this wasn't one of my more favorites of the uh, volume here.
0: I agree. So let's let's leave it behind and move on to Monsters of Rot, which is Detective Comics seven ninety four to seven ninety five. So five men leave a cargo ship uh, and let it burn off the coast of Bloodhaven. They leave 25 people on board to burn to death. Catalina Flores is in the barrio talking with an elderly woman who's upset that her son was on the ship that burned in the harbor. It was coming up from, uh, from overseas and uh, carrying some uh, alleged, uh, apparently illegals. So Catalina vows to find out what happened. Catalina Flores, that name sounds familiar I wonder if she's somebody else, oh we'll find out in a second Okay. Well maybe we will, let's see what happens So back in Gotham, Orpheus is taking over from the dead Capo He is intimidating the small time leaders into letting him be the big man Now it turns out that Orpheus is really working for Batman it's, uh, Batman is trying to get his hands into the, uh, the gangs uh, to try to break them see, him, see what's going on and see if he can break them down now Catalina Flores, aka Tarantula. That's where I heard her name yeah, before. I knew it okay, was yeah, I it was somewhere. <laughs> I remember her. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah. So she's paying a visit to one of the sailors who let the ship burn with the twenty-five people inside, and he tells her that the twenty-five were infected with the mugre. Now the mugre is supposed to be a mythical disease that leaves a victim rotting. So she leaves, and we see the man that she interrogated has some kind of an infection on his hand. Uh, That's not not good. So now a group of men are leaving work at Gotham Waste Management. One of them also has some kind of infection on his hand. The pals go out to eat together and go out to do some things, and later that night, a friend goes by his house, and he finds him and his pals rotted. So they're actually decayed and rotted. So that's pretty gross. Now, Tarantula visits another sailor and finds him in bed rotting, covered in cockroaches. Now, a swarm of cockroaches kind of kind of nest up or kind of form into a man in an overcoat and a hat, and they stand before her. So she lights the creature on fire and she destroys it. Now, this sailor also worked for Gotham Waste Management, and she decides, Gotham Waste Management, I got to go to Gotham City. So she heads out. Now, batman the detective that he is is breaking into gotham waste management looking for some clues and he runs into tarantula and they fight a little bit but they recognize each other and say oh all right you're not a bad guy well we won't fight so tarantula tells him what she's looking for but some baddies uh, try to burn the place down now they get out the two get out and batman beats up the guys who are trying to burn the factory down Orpheus shows up, and Tarantula takes his flamethrower away from him. Now, he's embarrassed in front of all these people, so Batman lets Orpheus hit him to lessen the embarrassment in front of his men. You know, he's... Orpheus is blowing it, right? So, uh, now, Batman and Tarantula go back into the plant, and they find a vat of uh what looks to be the uh the, the mugre and the goo comes alive it actually comes to life and chases the pair so they escape through the sewers and find a whole bunch of cockroaches but batman says oh don't worry about a tarantula that's just kafka he's some kind of a meta roach he's uh like the the, uh, the a collection of roaches come to life and he's he's not a bad guy he's just a bunch of roaches don't worry about him so they lead the sewer and then batman does some detective work and into the history of the Mugre. and it turns out that the mesoamericans uh they had the mugre, and it was a big problem back in the day, but it disappeared when the Spanish arrived. So what did the Spanish bring that could have killed the mugre? Batman Ooh. has an idea. They go back into the sewers and coax Kafka into the Gotham Waste Management Plant. There, the cockroaches uh, fight the mugre, the, the living goo. They fight it and eat it and destroy it. Now, just in case, Batman gives Tarantula a shot of Cipro. Just in case she got any on her, which is always a good thing. So now someone obviously had plans for the mugre. The sanitation commissioner is missing, and we know that he's committed suicide to keep from being tortured by thugs. Batman muses that it is Galante, and he also is starting to think that Orpheus isn't ready to take over Gotham alone. So that is... That story. Monsters wow. Uh, <laughs> well,
1: that that was really well done. I'm trying to, you know, you gave you really painted a picture. I was getting visuals in my head almost more so than the comic itself. I, I really appreciated that. Wow. Uh, I like the tarantula as a character. I don't know if I enjoyed the story overall though. Um, Creepy vibe to it. I like the Batman interaction with Tarantula, but I don't know if I got much more to add to it than that. I know, I think Kafka. I did some notes. So let me look and see. Kafka. I could only find had three appearances in the comic books. I think the character originally appeared in uh, Batman Gotham Knights, and I remember this Brian Boland culver with a bunch of little tiny cockroaches uh, making out a little makeshift uh, Joker esque smile. Beyond that, it just I had no recollection of this character at all, uh, <laughs> and I don't I don't know if I welcome the character back. <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> um, this just kind of sat there for me, Jerry. Uh, did you have a, an opinion either way?
0: I like, like you, I like Tarantula. I thought it was very difficult to kind of make out what was happening between the the Mugre and, the, and Kafka, the cockroaches. It really took me several reads to kind of untangle that. I, it was hard to really see the fact that they were fighting. And it really wasn't 100% clear that Batman had figured out that the cockroaches, uh, were the thing that was brought by the Spanish that ate the mucre and that defeated it. So it, it I, I, found that it was a little muddled, the story, and, um, I, the art didn't help. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to draw a cloud of cockroaches in a, in a jacket and a hat and just fighting a, uh, animated goo i mean the the it just very difficult to make that look uh clear to so you can understand what's happening
1: yeah uh, like i said you did a really great job describing it and i had more of a visual getting a like a 3d live action image of it than that the, the was much more well depicted with you than as opposed to the art on the story unfortunately yeah, it was difficult um I'm trying to think of some other positives here. I, I liked that, the fact that when we had that confrontation with Tarantula and Batman, Batman immediately knew her uh, identity and called her by her real name. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, boy, boy, this almost seemed like a Kolchak Night Stalker episode for you oh. young kids. You can look it up, you know, where he's doing the defective work on how to kill a monster at the end of an episode. And nice deep cut there, Chris. Yeah. Sorry, thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh Orpheus was never a character that resonated with me, I, I and I'm trying to be open and fair, um, but I just never really liked the character. I like the bit, though, where Batman uh, said, to kind of says under his breath, uh, hit me, you know, to kind of make Orpheus <laughs> look like he's got some type of cred, you know, yeah. uh, among his peers, and he's really this uh, undercover bit, and they really kind of play it to the hilt. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I just never resonated with me. I like tarantula much more better. I think there was more dynamic and I don't know if it's a a bias I have to a good strong female character like tarantula is, but, um, trying to think of anything else or if refuse. What do you make of him, Jerry? A character that you like, dislike, no opinion,
0: no opinion. I thought that the star of this story was tarantula. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So now we have a very, uh, uh, shorter story. Uh, called Polished Stone. Now this is uh the backup of Detective Comics 795 and 796. And it's very short. It's basically Batman uh has decided that Orpheus isn't up to taking over Gotham alone, and he has sent Green Arrow to a remote monastery to help uh to, to find some help for him. Now he finds Onyx, an ex-member of the League of Assassins. So she agrees to help out in Gotham. So Orpheus comes under attack back in Gotham and Onyx saves the day. So Orpheus is, you know, gets a whole bunch of money for his trouble and he spreads the wealth around and is now gaining a reputation with his new partner. You know, the pair, this pair is, is tough and a force to be reckoned with. So Orpheus and Onyx goes to Penguin's Club and Batman and Cassandra come in and they fight. And Orpheus and Onyx... Bite them off, but it was all for show, so that the Gotham underworld respects their new overlord. I don't know how much there is to talk mm. about this one, but I thought it was an interesting, if, you know, it's nothing, nothing compelling, but interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Jerry. This was—it uh, did have like a filler backup story feel to it that said it had a, it had a couple of uh, nice moments for what they were but uh, nothing really to uh, you know go out and seek this out um onyx i remember from back in the day with the league of assassins i liked her look uh shaved head i thought she was a really good uh, badass character pardon my language um i like the penguin appearance and the character's motifs rang true uh but it just it was it was, it was nice for what it was
0: Yep, we're moving no, puzzle pieces around here, you know. Yeah. Show, yeah. Okay, so the moving next... Moving yep, moving on. The next story, and read all over, which is Detective Comics 796. Look who is Batman's new Robin. None other than Ian Prime's favorite, Stephanie Brown. Uh,
1: shout out to Ian Prime. Yeah. yeah. You, you
0: waited long... Poor guy waited a long time for this moment, and here we go. He so. sure did. Now, yep. she, she's smart. She's tough and she can throw a mean one liner. She is a, she is a, a a tough cookie. Now the new Cape Crusaders, they're on the hunt for Victor Zaz, who's attacking people in the subways. Batman is on the subway platform looking for clues when Robin sees something in the tunnel and takes off alone after it. Someone is freshly dead in the tunnel zaz sneaks up on them grabs stephanie and takes off with her into the underground room he's using uh, as a lair to hide out in robin and he fight but she is just no match for zaz batman arrives just in the nick of time and together they're able to take zaz down but batman feels that some of the moves stephanie made could have killed victor and that is not cool by batman she still has a lot to learn Mm. so what did you think about this little story
1: this was a pretty intriguing uh, part of the book. Um, I thought a lot more attention to detail went into it. Uh, with When I say that, the art was a really, really well done in the sense that we had a lot of panels that gave us uh, Victor Zaz's uh, point of view. Yes. And where he just basically, and I'm trying to describe it and put this into words, but he, the art was depicted in such a way where we had, panels of a lot of blurry faces but the Zaz's victim is a lot more well defined in in what he's looking at so I thought that was a really masterful stroke on how Zaz looks at victims and how he's basically choosing and sizing them up this elevated Zaz to much much more of a threat than you might think as opposed to a, a typical B villain mm-hmm. We he went toe to toe with Batman on here with this fight and it was really close and could have gone either way if not for Stephanie mm-hmm. um, you, you, a couple of nitpicks though there is one scene in the subway uh, where Zaz seemingly uh, Stephanie sees Baz down the tunnel so they go that way then all of a sudden Zaz is behind him how did that happen yeah. uh, that, that, that kind of didn't work for what it was you know minor nitpick uh, but Stephanie just shows herself off as really wanting to do the right thing. We get the, of course, you know, Batman does the one little machismo um, bit where he says, now if you make one mistake, remember, I'm going to take you off the case. You know, yeah. well, what if it means your life, Batman? Well, you know, you, you never, we never go there, you know, just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, which is it? Come on. Yeah, Come on, right. man! Don't be, don't be such a dick. I mean, you know, she, she saved you, now you're going to, you know... If yeah. not for her, you know, we get this moment. Those are some quibbles, and I think they're plausible quibbles, but overall, I thought this was one of the more better arcs. It really showcased Stephanie, yeah. her thinking, her fighting, her critical skills. We had some great artwork with uh, the Zaz's point of view. I thought this
0: was a great part of the book. What did you think? I loved it, yeah. I thought that, you know, Stephanie makes such a good Robin, I think, and just her... Her heart is in it, and she's just so passionate about, um, doing the right thing, like you said, and being, uh, on the side of good and fighting hard for good. And I also agree with your comment about that art, you know, as with Zaz, you know, as he's scoping out, he's picking a target, you know, they, everything else kind of, goes away and the target kind of comes in clearly it's it's like a watercolory uh look to the panels and uh i think you're absolutely right that that was a really really fine touch by the art team on this book mm-hmm yeah, uh, well, we're in the home stretch. Do you oh, got uh, any
1: more g- gas in the tank uh, left there, Jerry?
0: We're good. I think we have uh, one more, one more push. And now this is, uh, we're going, we're moving off into the Robin books. So we're, we have three kind of different stories, but we'll treat them as one. Uh, a Life More Ordinary, Girl Wonder, and Fired. And this is Robin 126 to 128. Now, we're going back in time a little bit. The story we just covered is kind of in the middle of this uh, and not mentioned, but where Tim Drake's days of Robin, of uh, being Robin, are over. So he's trying to be a regular, normal high school student after his father caught him uh, being Robin back in Robin Unmasked that we covered a couple of episodes ago on this podcast. Now his girlfriend Stephanie Brown she wants to continue being spoiler. Now an assassin called Scarab is on the hunt to kill Robin. Uh, She has been hired by Johnny Warlock back in Robin Unmasked, who wants revenge on Tim. She has identified 12 kids in Gotham that fit the physical profile of, of Robin, and her plan is to kill them all, just to be sure. Now, at school, Tim gets a surprise kiss from Darla Akista, the daughter of the Gotham mob boss stephanie is monitoring tim and is upset by what she thinks is in his infidelity after she sees this kiss she leaves upset before she's able to see tim tell darla that he isn't interested because he's in a committed relationship stephanie goes home and commandeers her mom's sewing machine what is she up to Hmm. i wonder what well, now, some
1: people have bent their anger in their own ways. I guess some people think of the sewing machine, so. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe
0: it's for a new special cosplay she's got going on. I, don't I know. think that you're pretty close to the mark there, Chris. At Stately Wayne Manor, the bat alarms arms go off. Someone has infiltrated Batman's fortress. It is Stephanie Brown in a homemade robin suit. Ooh. Ooh very clever. Batman decides, kind of out of nowhere, to train her to be his new robin. At least this way, he can give her the training that she needs, and she won't be out getting into trouble on her own. Stephanie is elated at the good news. Batman tells her, though, she's on probation. If she disobeys his orders just one time, her days of Robin are over. So Stephanie trains. She fights bad guys with Batman. He helps teach her how he does business. He won't let her drive the car, however. The Batmobile is off-limits. She shows a lot of creativity as Robin, using her cunning to capture the elusive tiger moth. It turns out that Henry Akista, Darla's dad, is responsible for much of the illegal activity in Gotham these days. However, he's making an unusual display of strength. And Batman thinks it's a ruse because real monsters do things quietly in the background. And Henry is kind of making a point of being uh, a criminal. Now Scarab has been making her way across Gotham, killing teens. Batman is on her trail and realized that all of the dead kids look like Tim. Batman makes a list of others in Gotham that fit this profile, and he and Robin go on the hunt for the killer. Scarab goes into one kid's bedroom, but surprise, it's Stephanie in the bed instead. It's a trap. They get more than they bargained for, however. Scarab has a nifty power suit, and she can fight pretty well. She fights Batman and Robin, so they're dangling out a window steph uses her new training is able to swing away and batman tells her to wait for him before she returns to the teen's room but she doesn't listen scarab grabs her and kicks batman out the window again scarab realizes that this isn't the robin she's looking for that the other one must be dead and this is a replacement now since scarab is an assassin she's not a murderer and she has a contract for the other one that's presumably now dead She lets the Cape Crusaders live. Batman and Robin return to the Batcave to lick their wounds. They were beaten by Scarab, but Stephanie was able to plant a location device on her suit. They take the Batplane, which Batman also won't let her fly, to follow the signal, and they arrive on the roof of a Gotham high-rise. Now, Batman has his own super suit, and the dynamic duo head down into Scarab's apartment. The assassin attacks Batman and and Stephanie is listening to the battle over her earpiece, and it's not going well for Batman. He's being blinded by a phosphorus blast. So she says that she's going to come and help him, and Batman orders her not to, but she doesn't listen. She comes anyway. Scarab grabs Stephanie and holds her hostage for her freedom. Batman agrees and lets Scarab go. Now, after Batman recovers from his blinding, he talks with Stephanie. She has disobeyed him by joining the fight, and because of this... He can no longer let her be Robin. She is crushed, but to no avail. The end. Wow, Jerry, applause, applause. You do such a great oh. job with those story
1: recaps. Like <laughs> I am just in awe. Oh, I, I, thank you. I love them. I, I love did them. my cowl off to you, sir. Wow, you do uh, an awesome job with that. I Jerry, that. I tell you, you know, this is one of those stories where, boy what's the lead story here to me as, as reading this as a critical Batman fan for, for decades? Is it, is it the Stephanie Brown stuff that we have here? But to me, almost in a bearing the lead feel as reading the story was just how badass of a villainous was and how easily Batman got taken out in not one but two situations. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll kind of table that for a moment because I want to talk to you about that point. Uh, overall, I thought this was a great depiction of Stephanie, as we've seen before. I thought the artwork was beautifully rendered. For the most part, I had some issues with how Tim was depicted. This sort of seemed sort of like a... Uh, almost a caricature to, uh, to an unflattering degree. I, I thought, with, well, I think almost all the male characters generally, especially the younger men didn't come off looking very well depicted here. Stephanie looked gorgeous. I thought the female form was really done here. Nothing really exaggerated. Yeah. Um, very dynamic, very fluid with her movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the battle scenes were really well depicted. I thought the artwork was really good with spectacular, with the fighting scenes, the sequence where he had them going out the window mm-hmm. there. Um, Before I get to the big point, what what overall did you think of the story?
0: Well, I I loved it. I mean, I I think Stephanie is is absolutely wonderful. And she's a great Robin. And the artwork, where it's typically not what I would like, it's a little cartoony. It's a little, um, you know, like boisterous looking. I don't know how to describe it exactly. But it captures her infectious enthusiasm in a way. I mean, it's just joyful. And you can see she's so happy to be Robin, and she's just uh, and and the art is a little you know like I said cartoony, a little exaggerated, but it really lends itself the 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 story and the characters and the art all work together here in in a fantastic way, and this was uh, an absolute high point of the story
1: agree, and this was one of the better parts of the volume overall in the trade paperback. Okay, now that said, I think we covered the story in the artwork. Jerry, I knew when we were going to sign up for this, mm-hmm. this topic was going to probably be broached by me at some point, because it's sort of been one of those things that stuck in my craw with the Batman character and how he's depicted in film, in cartoon, and most importantly in the comic book. Just how strong is Batman? Now, in this particular story, this is Batman, and... I thought he was taken out not once but twice in a bit too easily. Mm-hmm. That said, that said, hear me out. Um, how do I put this? I, I don't necessarily like seeing Batman totally invincible. I, I I think I've seen too many comics where there's he's taken on twelve hulking masters of the martial arts, and he's, he's he's dispatched them with relatively no ease without working up a sweat. Right. I, I do think there are instances where he can be overcome by sheer numbers against very, very trained uh, fighters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for a contrivance of a story, the character can get overpowered, beaten, captured, put in a subsequent death trap, if, if I'm carrying it out to another uh, story element. Mm-hmm. But just how strong do you want to see your Batman can can he is it implausible for you when you're reading a story that he's uh, uh, taken out by a couple of men or two men or three men? I mean is there, is there some kind of line where you think, okay, come on now that that's getting
0: ridiculous I mean where, where do you land on that uh, that that drives me crazy all the time and I think that um, you know I these fight scenes I mean it's look it's a it's a comic book and you know we're so plot driven and it's you know they're trying to get Batman in the next the next scene whether he's you know captured and tortured or whether he's going on to beat the 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 big bad guy Uh, I I just it bothers me but I think it's hard to be a comic book fan and if it, if that really gets to you too much, because you're always going to be disappointed. You know, here we have him being taken out, uh, twice by Scarab, who's somebody, you know, I'm not familiar with her. I don't know that, you know, she's definitely not a, uh, a Gotham resident, not somebody that people are worried about, like Lady Shiva or someone. You know, she's just, just the mercenary that, uh, uh, Johnny Warlock hired, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, she can she can kick Batman's butt no problem, and uh, it's it's just always unrealistic because you know that that fight and when Batman fights a hundred guys, it's always the outcome of those stories is, uh, of those fights is always uh, in service of the the story that the author is trying to tell. It has nothing to do with how much of a fighter this. Um, kind of mythical creature Batman is.
1: Good point, and that was really, really well put. And I put you on the spot when I asked you that question, so I thought you really gave me an excellent answer. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm, I get disappointed where I'm reading a story where. He gets taken out with relative ease in some scenarios. Now, mind you, I, I don't mind Batman occasionally getting overpowered and captured. I mean, he's sure. a hero. And this is this is what happens. This is the device for the story. Uh, I'm I'm used to seeing you know him overwhelmed by numbers occasionally, but I I just don't want it to seem come off with rel too much rel with relative ease or just something where he goes in and he takes out a a bar of 50 men, you know, and walks out as the, as the only one unscathed, you know, I could, I, I've seen, I've seen arguments go on both ends of the pendulum and, and I just think I wanted it to land somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So sorry for my, uh, getting off the path there, but Not I knew at, at some point I, I, I this was going to come up in a story and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Thank Perfect. you.
0: Yeah, no, great question. I think it's, uh, it's, you know, I always think sometimes, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne, can after doing all this stuff at night can put on a suit and go out to a uh you know fancy ball or whatever uh, and having no scars and cuts on his face and that's completely unrealistic yes. he'd be all kinds of torn up oh absolutely yeah. you see the pictures of the uh, the old hockey goalies back in the 30s before they wore masks i mean oh. they're gruesome they're gruesome great pull yeah ex- absolutely great great call there yeah, yeah. So overall, what do you think about this collection of stories?
1: Well, uh, the obviously highlight is the Stephanie Brown stuff. Um, if I had to give this a rating, uh, I would put this, wow, I would go to and get, I, hmm, I'm going to give it two and two and a half out of five. But if you're a Stephanie Brown fan and if you don't own in this any of this material in some form, I highly recommend that you get it because we have some great character development. I thought the other highlight of the volume was the uh, Leslie Tompkin, Alfred Bruce, uh, uh, young stuff, the nurturing, the backstory that we had there. Other than that, um, just not enough for me to just
0: push this any higher than, yeah. than the two and a half out of five. I don't know. Where did you come down on this, Jerry? I think it's, it's these stories are so different. I think I'd probably average at about three. Sure. But like you said, I think that some of these stories are just not that great at all. And I would put them two, two and a half stars. But they would definitely be um, um, brought up. By the Stephanie stuff here and there's a lot of it um, the, you know there's quite a lot of the, these stories are Stephanie based and they're very very good so I would say overall I'd probably average it out to about three uh, but there's some of this is better than others
1: that's a good fair score I agree that makes sense yeah well I'm still staying with my two and a half three I think okay. we're pretty close there yeah so that's that's where we, where we went yeah so do you
0: think this is a must read for people
1: must read if you're a stephanie brown fan now if you're a stephanie brown fan i can't think that you don't own some of this material in some way shape or form already but that said who knows if you if you don't uh, have this on your uh, either bookshelf or in your comic book back issues yeah this is something to go out and i think it can be found at an affordable price there are some really great highlights here uh one thing I didn't mention was the practicality of the Stephanie Brown costume mm-hmm. and I thought this this came off, this wasn't a sexualized Robin in any way, shape or no. form I thought she wore a practical outfit for what mm-hmm. she was doing, she's concealing her identity uh, I, I got no qualms uh, w- with how the character was portrayed in any way I thought this was really true to form and this made me appreciate Stephanie Brown much, much more than I had coming in
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree I think if, if you're a Stephanie Brown fan you absolutely have to 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 read this stuff. Uh, I think that if you're also going to be following on with war drums, uh, war games, that you know, this whole gangland thing while some of the stories are difficult to read, you know, it's really kind of bringing that gangland thing front and center and uh, will progress even more in war games. So it's setting us up for more to come. Uh, so if you're interested in that, in that kind of gangland uh, Batman story, you should read this. But uh, otherwise, a lot of these—if you're not—a lot of these other stories really just don't reach that level of quality to uh, to make it a must-read.
1: Hmm. Well said. All
0: right. Thank you. So, so that's all for this story, um, and that's all for war drums. So, you know, uh, thank you for for listening to that. We had a couple of things that we wanted to bring up now. Yes, we did.
1: One of the things I did want to mention and I talked with Jerry beforehand and one of the things we both found in talking to longtime comic book fans was our love for horror comics, horror film, and the appreciation uh, that we shared. I can't let this go, I'd feel remiss if I didn't mention and acknowledge the passing of Bernie Wrightson who was just a master storyteller with the way he drew his art. He was probably best known for his work on a volume called Frankenstein and as one of the co-creators of uh, DC's comic Swamp Thing. I had the fortunate luck to meet Mr. Wrightson at a convention locally in the early 90s. He couldn't have been more of a gentleman and he autographed all the issues I had of Batman and the Cult at the time. Had I had my Swamp Thing there, I would have had him autographed too. Uh, I need to preface my appreciation for Wrightson and how I came about it, when I was in an age of single digits – and my love of comic art was starting to form, I thought the conversation began and ended with Neil Adams and nobody else. Then I found Marshall Rogers, Mike Grell, uh, Steve Ditko on The Amazing Spider-Man and his early stuff, and then my love grew, but it still was pretty much contained to the superhero genre. When I got a little older in the single-digit, uh, double digits, uh, our family moved to Wisconsin, and it was a small town, and all of the comic collectors ran into each other and we formed a club I had the benefit of meeting a young man named Rob who was a few years older than me who just absolutely adored horror comics and his love of Bernie Wrightson just shifted over to myself Rob was a great guy and he basically took me under his wing to just show me the artwork, the lines, the intricacies that Bernie writes in, and effort and sweat and love he put into his work with just a single line and how much he could convey with a, a couple of strokes and blending all these strokes in together to make just artistic masterpieces one after the other. Mm-hmm. Rob's goal and quest, and I think he eventually did accomplish it, was to get uh, a copy of every Bernie writes in, piece of artwork in its printed form It'd be it the Warren magazines comic books uh, promotional art, fanzine what have you if Wrightson if had any hand in it, he had to own it uh, there was an issue of uh, the Green Lantern Green Arrow stories with the Harpies. I think it was. oh Gosh, I'm pressing my memory here. There was 81 or 82, and Wrightson just inked one panel in this story. <laughs> and, and Rob had Rob had to have it because Bernie <laughs> Wrightson was in it. And as you know, Rob was compiling this all this list of anything that Bernie Wrightson did. I think he even uh, did some ink work on Batman 265. and And I just happened to have a copy of Batman 265, an extra run, and Rob, I just gave it to him. And you you think I gave him the keys to a brand new car. I mean, he was so overwhelmed just just having this. And then it was in that moment where I could just see a fan really appreciating the comic book form solely for the artwork, if not for the writing aspect of it. And I was blessed. If you're a comic book fan, I would highly suggest you seek out some of the work of Bernie Wrightson. Exactly. Please don't limit yourself to the superhero genre if you're still there. I would expose yourself to some more fine genres, independence, what have you. There's just mo- such more broad-based uh, material out there that you could possibly enjoy that's just not limited to the superhero form stuff. So I wanted to just give a shout-out to Bernie Wrightson and just exactly. acknowledge his passing and just the huge influence he had on hundreds, if not thousands of or more fans that he had out there he, he was a comics legend and he'll certainly be missed
0: yeah when he passed uh, I showed the pictures of some of his Frankenstein work around to some folks and there are just you can't believe it you just can't believe how intricate and just beautiful that this artwork is and uh i also recently again picked up uh because of a a gift of a close friend uh i picked up uh, the (laughs) cult and uh in honor of uh this podcast and uh in honor of um uh, mr reitzman so um yeah i highly recommend that
1: yeah, uh, you can find some of his stuff I think affordably priced if, even if in the reprint form of the, like the Roots of Swamp thing or what have you, you go to a comic shop ask you could find it. Uh, I think there's some stuff on Amazon or even on a secondhand dealer you could find uh, even if you don't get an original stuff you can still some of the some of the colors might be a little different if it's if it's some of the swampy reprinted stuff but they're still nice to have and they are just gorgeous stunning pieces of absolutely artwork cool. to, to look at. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thanks for bringing that up Chris. Oh, absolutely. So now, we are a part of the Batman Universe, uh, a group of podcasts and website. It's, uh, thebatmanuniverse.net and we do reviews and we do podcasts. And if you like this, if you like this podcast, if you like other podcasts there, uh, we would encourage you to, uh, donate some money to us at, uh, on their Patreon account. You can go to thebatmanuniverse.net. And you can see the link to the the Patreon account, and please help support us. We have a lot of uh, TBU podcasts. We have the comic um, podcast, the main uh, the main comic book one. Uh, we ha- there's Everyone Loves the Drake. There's Batgirl the Oracle. There's, there's a Batman so Compass,
1: and there's oh, some yeah. specials that pop up occasionally, too. And there's also great articles, too, if you're just looking for some news, some Absolutely. great uh, well-written reviews. And it's not just covering the uh, current stuff, but there are also
0: some great uh, editorial pieces as well that are really, really well-written. There really are. There's some new, new writers that come on periodically. We have some really good ones right now that are coming up with just some amazing stuff. So we definitely recommend you go out to the Batman universe. Now, Chris, you review Batman 66, uh, and now doing the Meets the Wonder Woman on Batgirl, the Oracle, one of the yes of I the am. podcasts.
1: Yes, uh, I am. Well, yeah, it is a great podcast, and that's, that's due to the host, Stella, and she does so an nice. outstanding job. She makes it look so easy and effortless, and uh, just the way she can blend humor in. Uh, she's also got a required reading podcast uh, that I'll give a shout-out to where she takes a look at a classic book and discusses it with another co-host and it, it's really good stuff I really like the dissection of material that she does Stella always brings something to the table she's a great interviewer she's a great reviewer she's a marvelous person she's incredibly talented and gifted and I am so fortunate to be a part of that podcast okay.
0: and you do a great job over there
1: well, thank you so much, but, you know, speaking of good jobs, I, uh, you know, I, I'm very impressed with the written reviews you do on the BatmanUniverse.net. Wow, oh, thank you. Not, yeah, not only are you doing, uh, you know, Batman 66 as well, wow. but you've got Harley's Little Black Book, you've got Gotham Academy, and Mother Panic. At Gotham Academy, wow, uh, you know, here, here's the title out of nowhere, and it's still hanging on. Is it, are you enjoying that as much as uh, other other fans are, Jerry?
0: I love it, and I've uh, I'm doing the review. I just finished it today, to number eight, and I uh, it just blows me away. I love that book so much. Uh, it's it's kind of got the the kind of horror, kind of supernatural elements to it, and. Um, and you know with the kids and with the the spooky boarding school and you know hidden passages and uh haunted books and spells and i mean it's just right in my wheelhouse so i'm really enjoying that
1: oh excellent you know since i got on twitter i've I've discovered just how many uh podcasts are out there and good find quality blogs and other other material that's out there uh, really yeah yeah uh, is this the time where we uh, talk about a review that we got on iTunes yeah let's let's do it okay well we got a great one from Clinton Robinson mm-hmm. and Clinton Robinson says this about our podcast. Not Only for Beginners is the title. Jerry and Chris knock, out, knock one out of the park with this amazing podcast. They take any story featuring Batman-related characters and synopsize the story while providing their thoughts and opinions as well. They also dive into the backgrounds of the creative teams and current events at the time of their publication. Novices and veterans of Batman lore can easily relate to the smooth-talking hosts and their take on this podcast format. This is a must for Batman fans new and old. Well, Clinton, thank you very much. That was so oh, nice. kind of you to leave a nice review like yeah. that. So I think Clinton can be found out there online. I know we've got a uh, comics and co- uh, Coffee and Comics podcast that I've enjoyed. I Jerry, that, yeah. I think you've enjoyed that as well. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And okay. there are so many other great podcasts out there. We, we've been talking with uh, uh, one called the Batcave Podcast, which reviews the TV show episodes, you know, the old 66 TV episodes, plus so much more stuff. They do all kinds of uh, interesting um, uh, podcasts about a variety of different things, and we recommend that uh, as well. It's very good. Uh, we also – there's there's also uh, – it's a GoFundMe called the Beat of the Bat that is doing a full-length documentary about the music of the 66 series. And also, based on um, talking about kind of soundtracks, we've been talking with a a guy by the name of Randall Andrews, and he's got a podcast called Soundtrack Alley. And he discusses some of his favorite soundtracks on kind of geeky movies. So if you're a sci-fi, fantasy, uh, crazy movie fan... You know, and you and you're a music fan too. You should definitely check uh, out Soundtrack Alley. Well, we have another another uh, fellow we've been talking with, uh, Chris Sheehan, and he's got one called Chris on Infinite Earths, and he's uh, just a a terrific guy, and we've been enjoying uh, interacting with him. Wow, he 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 writes about a lot of uh,
1: silver and bronze stuff that is right in my wheelhouse, and I wish oh, I had man. found this sooner. He can't be more kinder, and I know he's he's a fan of the show. So shout out to him, and let me give a shout out to his great blog, yeah, Chris on Infinite Earths. That is a great stuff that's covered silver books that I remember, and I just re- he's a master at writing the recaps and incorporating some humor along with it. I, I can't endorse that one enough. It just really brings back fond memories every time I read articles and the material he selected are just stuff Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that reading (laughs) that when I was a kid. I'll have to pull that one out now. And it's just like I can't believe this he's like uh, he's just diving into the recesses of my mind and other people's minds I'm sure, just picking things out which were great classic stories
0: from back in the day and I really, really enjoy all his terrific reads. Now we we can't let an episode go by without a shout out to the Sutherland's some of oh, not our at favorite all. Yeah. people.
1: Absolutely. Uh Darren and Ruth are great people. I I I enjoy the material. They're uh, in Warlord Worlds. They've got a current contest going now where you can try to cast uh if you're going to make a warlord movie, who would you cast as say the or or any of the other characters, a warlord or a Shakira, who would you cast? I I had a, mm-hmm. few, a few people in mind, but I'm still working on my uh, definitive list. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, absolutely. Check out World of Worlds. There's also Trekker Talk, which looks at the material from Ron Randall, and Xenozox which looks at Mark Schultz's Dennis, uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. All great stuff, and they do an excellent job. And you can you can even find them popping up as uh, uh, guests on other podcasts now. And not only are their, their podcasts great, but when they guest on a podcast, it's just such a treat, too. Uh, they were recently on Double Page Spread, where I enjoyed you know, hearing their talking. And it was just... It's such a... They just bring it. I don't know what more to say. And yeah. they've just got so many similar interests. I think, uh, uh, Dark Shadows, I think you, you yes. found some. Like How about that? You know? Wow, oh, amazing. You're, you're, you're not alone out there, Jerry. Somebody, really. <laughs>
0: it's not just me. <laughs>
1: somebody else. It's not just you. Somebody else remembers the day and stuff like that. So wow. we've recapped some of the stuff that we found, and by all means, if if we've left someone out, that's given us acknowledgement. I, I let me apologize up front. Please, please drop us a line if we if we neglected you or if we didn't mention this to go around. We'll, we certainly uh, do that on our next show. Right. But um, we just wanted to give a shout out to those we, we know uh, reached out to us and. Yep. gave us some nice recognition online, Definitely. and we really appreciate that and thank them very, very much. And if you've done that and we forgot to mention you again, uh, gotcha. please, we'll get you. Please please uh, send a tweet out, uh, either of our way, and um, we'll be sure to cover you on the next next show. That's yeah, right. and I can be found on Twitter now at uh, BTO and Bad Books. That's B-T-O-A-N-D-B-A-T-B-O-O-K-S.
0: That's where I found out. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, I'm at and Professor Jerry, Frenzy. Friends, right? That's right, Professor Frenzy. I cover yeah. my favorite DC books, as well as uh, indulge in uh, some Dark Shadows uh, stuff. I do some indie comics, and I also live tweet on Saturday nights, sometimes on uh, hashtag SvenGhuli. I'm a big fan of that. As we've talked, I am about
1: a before. big fan of SvenGhuli <laughs> as well. And boy, I got you know, I had no idea how fast that goes. I mean, so those people are so humorous and so fast like Jerry if he was a veteran being on there they got those clips like it's like you're, you're watching a movie in real time with hundreds of fans and a lot of comics are going fast and furious and bottom line absolutely funny it seems like it's a great environment there's there's no one uh, throwing tomatoes at anybody no, or anything no. like that we, we just all have a love of these films that are shown and a love of, of Spengouli so yeah this is really great. Yeah, I, I, I I've been joining Jerry, the past couple of Saturday
0: nights, and uh, we'll do so in the future. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's you get the better tweets when it's a worse movie. So when they when they were playing Dracula, which <laughs> I think is a good movie, I wasn't tweeting at all. I was watching. But uh, <laughs> tonight is Rodan, so uh, oh, yeah, I'm I looking think forward I'll be to tweeting.
1: That. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yes, yeah, you know, Sun is going to appear in uh, Dick Tracy comic strip by probably around the time this airs. So uh, you know, if it's not too late, yeah, and if I don't know if anybody follows Dick Tracy. You can follow Dick Tracy on uh, Go Comics and look for a Sven Gouli appearance, which will probably be right around when this comes out, if That's not already.
0: Now, yeah. I also didn't want to forget, uh, I'm, uh, Memorial Day weekend, if you're in the New York City area, uh, there's, a, a new comic book convention called BoroughCon, and Mike Grell, uh, is going to be attending that, and the Sutherlands, uh, kind of gave me the, uh, the down low on that, and how to, how to, uh, get to talk to Mike, so I'm really looking forward to that. Wow, that's yeah. great. So if you're in the New York City area uh, and and you're a fan of uh, comic books, and particularly Mike Rell, you might want to check that out. So, you know, thank you everybody for for uh <laughs> for talking with us today. I thought that was a very entertaining show, Chris. Thank you so much. Oh, I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate it. Great. So, if uh we hope everyone out there enjoyed it as much as we did and uh please leave comments uh whether it's on iTunes or on the bat um batmanuniverse.net on on the page where the the podcast is released. Uh feel free to comment, let us know what we what you liked, what we could do better and uh next time please join us where we're getting into the thick of things now chris we're going to be covering war games
1: oh no i mean yay okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry ian (laughs) okay so we hope you join us yeah definitely so i'm jerry and i'm chris and we're saying goodbye for now and thank you for tuning into bat books for beginners